Welcome back to Amazon Made Simple podcast. Today we've got Elizabeth Green diving deep into the secrets of PPC campaign. Get ready to take notes. There is a lot of things to uncover. Let's jump in. Hello, everyone. Isabella Ritz and Amazon Made Simple podcast. And we are entering the season of my new sessions with uh, Elizabeth Green. And she's actually, we'll be talking about jungles. So mm-hmm. her last name and her company name are kind of related. This is my, my opinion. And her company name is Jungle R, Jungler, just because there's the man being available. And uh, yeah, when you're going on Amazon, you're kind of in the jungles. And when you want to find the right way how to... Uh, run your Amazon ads, how to launch your products, how to scale and how to grow. And it's a lot of things that you have to uh, pay attention to. So Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I get questions about the name more than once. And I'm like, ah, it's not really a fun backstory. It's just it sounded really cool. The domain name was available. It's a short domain name, which is very beneficial. I get mixed signals. Some people say like, oh, I don't know what that is. And other people like, oh, it's cool branding. So it is well, what it is. <laughs> it's all about branding. And it, it it does look cool. It does look cool. And like related to referring it to jungles is always great. Yeah. Sure. jungles. You want to unjungle your stuff. So let's do it. Uh, we are we have something in common. You have a lot of children. I have a lot of children, but you beat me. You beat me (laughs) by two, like with one shot. So tell me about it, how it is to be a mom and to be an owner of the agency that is like running pretty good numbers and have a lot of satisfied clients. Yeah, no, it's it's super fun. I get asked all the time, like, how do you do it? So for reference, I have six children. Um, and like as well was saying, I got a two for one. Uh, we have twins at the tail end of it. So like six in total, uh, which is super funny because I grew up as the oldest of six children. And when we got married, uh, that was one of our conversations. Of course, you should have deep discussions before you decide to partner up with someone. Um, and one of those was, hey, you know, what do you want for family? He wanted a lot of kids. I wanted a lot of kids. So very much worked out that way. We never had a number. Um, Some people have a number, some people don't. And we just both, neither of us ever really did. It was just big. And so for me coming from a family of six um, and we had uh, in our church growing up, uh, we knew a lot of families with very large families, um, large being like seven or more. And so for me, like we were on the tail end of large, which is funny when I see other women out with their children, I'm like, wow, that looks like a lot of kids. And I'm like, wait, that's four. So four is still a lot. Three is still a lot. Even two is still a lot. Um, But when we hit six for me, like in my weird brain, it was like, oh, we are now officially a large family. Yeah. (laughs) Officially large. (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of fun. How are you managing your time? And of course, like, because you already know the answer. Tell us how to manage six six children and the husband, because usually you're the one who is managing the husband. 
And uh, my husband told me recently, he said, you know, I probably should turn off my brain because you are thinking for me. And because you're thinking for me, I have to just stop thinking at all. I'm like, okay, thank you for the compliment. I I, I, gotta, I have to check myself. But anyway, uh, like you have to think for your husband, you have to think for your children, you have to think for yourself and for your business. So how do you do that? Definitely uh, with a lot of help. So I would say my husband is in a huge help with it. Also, I get asked, like, how do you do it all? And the answer is, like, I honestly don't. Uh, my life consists of business and family, and that's actually how I want it. I like I like a chill life. I like a laid-back life. I don't really care to travel. Some people love to travel, and I have nothing against that. I'm a super homebody. I, like, I never go anywhere, um, except for the wonders of the internet where we can do things like this. Um, and then as far as like keeping it all together, and this is the other layer on top of this, which some people are going to listen and be like, oh my gosh, that sounds like you're adding more to me. It's actually adding less, which is uh, we actually homeschool. Um, so that was another thing we decided long before we even got married was I was homeschooled growing up. My husband was also homeschooled. We both loved uh, the flexibility that it gave us, especially as we entered in our teen years. And so we both decided that that was something we wanted to do for our children. So a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, oh my gosh, you're adding teaching on top of that. For me, um, and just the way we have it set up is that actually creates less complexity. So it doesn't mean that we have to teach the children to make sure that they're getting a good education. We don't want to teach them at all. They just yeah. just throw them into the wild, to the jungles, and they will there figure it out. There you go. Well, and I also live on a large property. And that was one of our other things on the bucket list, which this business allows us to do um so we have 100 acres so my children run all over the place it's fabulous I love it they are very well mannered and they're very obedient but they also um are allowed to kind of be their own person so it's a really awesome thing that's great love it are you guys also in Texas no we're actually located in Florida oh really where um so we're in central Florida um for anyone who knows the area for those who don't, we're south of Gainesville, north of Orlando. For people who oh, know, so we will guys drive yeah. and just visit you. I'm in Orlando, and we are missing. Oh, there you go. Acres, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so you might know. It's the Silver Springs area. So okay. to Ocala and uh, State Forest. So you guys now, all the listeners now, you know where to go to find the jungles and uh, unjungle your Amazon and. <laughs> have a free space to take out all your negativity and get the positivity yeah. so uh this sounds amazing and sounds great so let's jump into the uh ppc i will skip the part how you get into the uh, consideration to be an amazon girl because uh i just want to focus on value the most so a lot of people, when they're doing their PPC campaigns, they have different focus. And Amazon keeps releasing so many opportunities. And we already know that you're the girl who is all searching for the updates, what is going on, or you're spending time with your family. And when uh, we do some type of the launches, we can, of course, talk about broad and exact and negative keywords and all these basics. But Amazon uh, provides us opportunities to uh, advertise based on the videos and to target different categories and to target different type of the products. So what's your best strategy to advertise the product uh, if we want to target 
the competitors if we should target the competitors or should we target something else? And if we're targeting the categories, what's the best way to go about it? Yeah, uh, so video is a really phenomenal introduction. It's not super new to the platform, although there's a lot of like new options when it comes to video targeting. So I would say the two most major updates uh, when it comes to videos and targeting is one, the ability to uh, showcase your video at the very top of the search page. That's a relatively new update, um, which is phenomenal. So how you actually get these placements is you run a sponsor brand's video ad, and then you'll target your, you'll direct the traffic to the store page. And if you set up the ads like that, you're automatically um, actually I believe these videos only show at the top of the page. And there's a lot of people when this happens, they'll be like, oh, my impressions aren't very high. Um, the reason being is because you only spot that um, these, last I checked, these uh, ads were available to be shown is at the, the top of the page. So with the traditional sponsor brands headline ad, um, if you are, don't have like a really aggressive bid, you can still show like at the bottom of the page. Um, and so there's still some additional placements where with these video ads, uh, this placement, there's not that available. So that's why you're going to see lower impressions. It's just the nature of how many ad spots are available essentially. Yeah. Um, so that's been a really cool update. And then, um, the other thing that you're now available or have eligible. you been? I will chime in quickly here. Yeah. Have you been able already to test your clients on uh, this type of the ad? Yeah. So that's one thing. And I've talked with other agency owners, and I'm like, how do you split test ads? Because you really can't, unfortunately. Like with like the options of headlines and you know, lifestyle images, like there's all these cool creative options for the ads, which in a lot of ad platforms, you're like, all right, let me like split, like which one performs best, right? There's not really a good option for that in uh, Amazon ads, unfortunately. Um, so actually pro tip on video ads, um, we actually went through to try and figure out like what makes a good video ad. So we actually aggregated all the data across all of our clients and all the video ads, and then just essentially looked at the conversion rates to see if there was anything we could pull out whatsoever. Um, and there wasn't anything major except for the one thing that we actually noted was when we compared the best performing to the worst performing videos, what we identified is that in the worst performing videos, the product was not the focal point of the opening shot. Um, so to illustrate this, like one of the major standouts um, that kind of made it click was um, there was a jewelry product. And so uh, there was actually the same product had two video ads running. One of them was the conversion rates were great. And the other one, it was not. And on the one where the conversion rate was great, the opening shot was, it was still on the model, but it was a close up shot of the necklace and then zoomed out to then show and, you know, go on to show the other case or other right. scenes in the video where the underperforming one, uh, it was a zoomed out shot of the model. And what happened was the original focal point of that video, you saw the model first, not the item. Um, so Amazon 
is still a very search based and people are still looking for products. So although the module, like, she, I mean, the model was very attractive, it was an attractive woman, uh, but it didn't immediately click, oh, this is the product that I'm looking for, you know, X, whatever sort of necklace. Um, so that was the one takeaway for us. And whenever clients ask like, oh, what makes a good video ad? Um, we say like, make sure that the product is definitely showcased in the beginning. You don't want to showcase your brand. You don't want to showcase other things. People are still searching for products. Make sure that they are connecting that ad with the actual product offering. It's super helpful. Um, so that's that's all I would say. Other than like split testing, the one thing you can kind of look at is click-through rate. Click-through rate isn't typically something that we optimize for specifically in the ads. The reason being is you can have a terrible click-through rate and still have really good ad performance if your bid's low enough. So I don't like try and only focus on click-through rate, but click-through rate can be very helpful to identify how well my product is resonating with shoppers using this particular search query. Okay, sounds good. So uh, if you're not focused on click-through rate, uh, are you focused on uh, unit sessions? Yes, so, oh my goodness, unit session percentage is huge. Um, one of the things that I've kind of coined, it's, I apologize, it's super clickbaity, but I call it like the Amazon growth formula. So essentially we manage like really large accounts and very complex accounts. Somewhere along the way, we ended up managing like clothing brands, which as you can imagine, the SKU count and it's, it's like a beast, right? And you're like, when someone says, okay, something happened to my sales, how do you like, how do you figure out? A lot of people will dive into like, they'll dive into the super incremental. And what we found is that on large complex accounts that just becomes completely unmanageable. So you spend two days to try and figure out something. Um, so I was trying to make sense of all of this. And suddenly one day when I'm just, I love playing with that in spreadsheets and it clicked for me that you can actually calculate sales by taking your sessions, which is traffic, multiplying it by your conversion rate and multiplying that by your average order value. So essentially it's saying like how much traffic is going to this listing, when someone gets to the listing, how many of those people convert to like a sale. And then when I get a sale, how much am I making? Um, so it makes it really clear. So when you're trying to diagnose, oh, what happened with my, like a lot of people are like, well, crap, my sales went down, like what in the world happened? Or my sales increased, great. How do I replicate that? You can actually overlay these three numbers. Um, and we have a software we use where I can actually kind of track these over time. And what we'll do is just pull up these three numbers and say, oh, it's very obvious that traffic has remained the same. However, our conversion rate has gone down. And so then we look at four market signals on conversion rates or maybe reviews. And then you can start digging into the very specific reasons instead of trying to look at everything at the bottom of the funnel and then, you know, just sort of just getting overwhelmed and not even knowing if one thing is really the cause of it. That sounds great. So um, a couple things that I want to unbox here. Mm -hmm. So first, uh, you mentioned that you have several variables that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, given that we're doing product research and we're always looking at the data, it's important to make it's important to operate the data based on the niche and based on the product and based on the category, because for one category with like, I don't know, for one product with a demand of 3000 uh, searches a month, uh, the numbers will be X, Y, Z. And for yeah. the category and the product with a demand of 3 million a month, then it will be absolutely different story. So if 
we will be based on like something average, like 10,000 uh, searches a month, um, average amount of the competitors, not super crazy niche. How the ideal number supposed to look like based on the variables you're explaining? Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so that's a really good question. So for us, what we do is we simply look at them over time um, to identify what this helps us pinpoint what changed happened. Now, you can create sales forecasts off of this, and we actually do. Um, so the oftentimes it would be this is another great thing. A lot of sellers, they say like, OK, I want to hit this number of sales. But like that number of sales, like how do you how do you how do you make it happen? Like what's the nuts and bolts that make it happen? Because a lot of times people just like do inputs and then kind of like hope that those numbers happen. So there's actually a way uh, if you take the number of sales that you want and you divide them by um, how, like basically your product price. So you just want to know like how many units do I have to move to make this thing happen, right? And then you can then take the units that you have to sell and you can divide that by your unit session percentage. And that will actually output an equation that tells you the number of sessions or traffic you need at that one conversion rate to be able to hit that sales number. So providing all things remain the same, like your pricing remains at and your conversion rate remains the same, which we all know that fluctuates all the time. And that's why this is not like a set in stone forecast, but it does give you an idea. So that becomes much easier to wrap your brain around in, oh, I need this amount of traffic to the listing. And if you want to mess around with this forecast a little bit, you can say, okay, at my current unit session percentage, what does that traffic look like? Well, what if I could increase it like a point? What does that traffic look like? And you can start to say like, okay, if I could increase how my product converts, then I need less traffic. But then that traffic you can say, okay, traffic being sessions, right? Okay, so I need this many sessions to the listing to be able to make these numbers work. Okay, where do I get that traffic from? Definitely ads is a huge piece of that. However, you might look at external traffic or external marketing or other measures, which is not something we handle in-house, but it's definitely a function of traffic. So instead of saying, how do I hit the sales number? You say, this. I just need to focus on driving this much traffic and making sure that my uh, conversion rate either remains the same or increases to help me hit my sales numbers. And for us, that becomes much more actionable than just saying like X amount of sales numbers and kind of just hoping. I love it because when we are doing product research and development, we have the same mm. similar probably to your uh, chart. And we're like, okay, it's not what product I'm going to sell. It's how much money I want to make. And let's mm -hmm. see at what price point we can set and how many agents we're supposed to launch. And like, we also go from yeah. the numbers and not from like, uh, okay, how much this product is going to make me. Uh, I love this. Uh, you mentioned the software and like, did you guys build it or you use some third party, third party like, uh, what is this? Yeah, so I, I wish, because I think it's amazing. Um, but no, I, it's not my brainchild. Uh, it was very similar to a lot of things that we were working to build internally. But if anyone's ever delved into the world of software building, like that's a beast. And Amazon API is a beast. We do have internal tools that we are building, we are using, because to be honest, um, most of our ad management is all in-house. The tool does have some robust ad management capabilities. We're just really happy with the results we're getting in our current system. And we're not really looking to migrate that. Um, however, uh, the analytic capabilities of the tool 
I, I freaking love them. Um, it's it's pretty amazing. So it allows us to drill and down. The name of the tool. Uh, so it's called Kpoc. It's K A P O Q. Um, you may okay. have, you may not have, but I don't um, think I did. Yeah, I yeah. never heard about them. No, so you I love had... them. Huh? So you love them? Yes. No, I I love it. Um, it was one of those tools. To be honest, it's it's essentially built for full service management okay. agencies. I always tell them, I'm like, it's way more than I would ever need as a strictly ad manager. But that being said, the insights that we can get from this tool, because it has things like review evaluations and it it tracks, um, you know, profit margins. It also will track like listing changes. And it also has some really robust capabilities to be able to um, look at the inventory and sort of connect the inventory. So for instance, it will surface alerts to say, oh, you're running ads on products that are running at an inventory. Like that's a really important workflow that is was a little bit tedious to find out before. Or there's a lot of times where we would just like hope our clients are going to tell us that yeah. they're running out of inventory. And to be honest, that doesn't always happen. Right. Um, at least not as soon as it should. So we can get ahead of a lot of these situations. Um, and my entire team is using and absolutely loving it. Great. So uh, another question here, we've been talking about conversion and unit sessions and click-through rate. And I, I'm sure you had clients when you, you've you been running a lot of traffic and probably click-through rate was amazing and the main picture was great, uh, which helped, but the conversion was still pretty bad. So mm -hmm. what is your recommendation number one uh, to your clients and to our listeners, like what they supposed to do to increase this conversion? Because this is the three components we always have is the product conversion and traffic. And if the product is bad, you can't do anything about it. But if those two are having some troubles, you can fix the problem. So what are your recommendations in uh, this case? Now, that is a great question. Um, and honestly, not something we manage in-house. So, I mean, my expertise is going to be smaller. What we do is I just make really good relationships with a lot of really amazing listing optimization specialists. And so I've done a couple interviews um, and posted them on our YouTube channel. So when a client's like, hey, I'm trying to understand this, I'm like, hey, here's some really good information. Go watch this. Or I'll connect you with them specifically. Um, but I would say like one of the things, like because we do definitely track product conversion rates because like you said it's, it's super important um the other thing is that it's relative so uh, you've probably heard like oh roughly across amazon it's like you know 10 percent conversion rates however like in some product spaces like 15 to 20 percent conversion rates is not abnormal um however like in clothing it, it can be really low like you could have a product that sells like hotcakes and you're, you're looking at a sub 5% conversion rate, which by general standards would be absolutely abysmal. Um, so what we found is that the more style specific the product, meaning like, so if you, if you have, um, you know, like maybe like bedding or like clothing, people like they're looking at the cut of it, they're looking at the color of it, is it in my size? And there's all of these very sort of personal preference type products, those ones will always have a low conversion rate. And then if you have a more like sort of cut and dry product, um, the conversion rates tend to be a bit higher. Um, a great way to look at this, if you're trying to figure out like, okay, relative, like 
what am I doing? There's two things that Amazon has surfaced that have answered a lot of those questions. So the one is actually brand metrics, which is located inside of the ad console. So if you go inside your ad console to the left-hand side, there will be a little button and you will see it says brand metrics. Now, of course, you have to be brand registered for this. This will, um, it will average your conversion rate versus, uh, for your entire brand though, uh, versus the conversion rate of all other products that are in that category. So if you wanna know how your brand is stacking up against the category averages, this is a phenomenal place to go and it's a lot easier to get things at scale. The other place that has been really beneficial to look at is uh, the new brand analytic search query reports. Um, this gives you uh, individual conversion rates on a um, per with Amazon sells a, a search query, which is essentially just a shopper search. Um, so if you're looking for like much more pinpointed, now this is, doesn't give you like overall averages for brand metrics will give you overall averages. It's a lot easier to check very quickly. Um, but if you want to drill down into say a per product level or like your how you're converting on a specific keyword for your entire brand search query is insanely powerful for that that's great uh and um would you consider uh to recommend the clients like if when they're thinking about increasing conversion that they're supposed to sell experience on their listing versus the quality of uh, the product because sometimes we're like the best product money back guarantee uh, I don't know, BPA free uh, and something, yada, 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 FDA approved. Uh, instead of this to offer people to talk what what the buyer actually get when they buy mm -hmm. the product, like what experience they will have when they're buying the products. Like the um, things that we're trying to explain to our clients the most when, listen, when you've been watching a scene on TV years ago, I don't know if they still exist, mm -hmm. Uh, you remember, right? Like you can yes, buy totally. like, some pot that you can buy anywhere for like $3, but they will sell you for $103. Yes. Yeah. But the way how they sell it, they sell you like this pot will change your life. Yes. And you're like, Absolutely. oh my God, this pot is changing my life. So I have just to wipe it three times and now my wish <laughs> will come through. Uh, and this is the great example, like in my opinion, when you want to increase conversion, this is how you go about it. You're selling people experience. So you have to learn your target audience. I'm like, listen, I know what you want. I know mm -hmm. what you need. And our product can deliver. Because if like your uh, dress is just on the hanger, it doesn't do anything. But when your dress is appearing in all shapes and showing how you can look like and how people will love it, then it's selling the best. I love all these answers. So and because we're already at the time mark, time flies so fast. Yeah, uh, uh, can you give us top three tips for people that are struggling with PPC campaign? And I understand you can give 53 or 103 tips because there are so many of them like targeting different type of things uh, and it's a real jungle. So if something goes wrong and of course, I already understand and people understand that we, they have to look at the brand analytics. But outside of these numbers, what is the actionable, what is the course of action they're supposed to take? But like one, two, three, and some, and that will help. Okay. So I'm going to give you one that's slightly long-winded, but I think you're 
listeners are going to find this super valuable. So stick with me. Um, one is going to be, so this is my thesis. After running very large brands, big and small, my thesis is that your sales are made up of the sum total of all of the product sales in your account, right? Everyone wants to look at top line. It's true. You should look at it to see am I growing or shrinking, but as go the products, so goes your account. So that means when it comes to managing ads, you need to make sure you're managing this on a per product level. Now, the problem with that is as your account grows, everyone's looking at it and going, oh my gosh, I have no idea. So I have a pro tips for you, okay? So what I want you to do, and this is gonna involve some analytics, it's gonna involve some spreadsheets. If someone on your team knows spreadsheets, it's not too difficult to do. You wanna go into your business reports. You wanna download a detailed page, sales and traffic by child item. And then you're going to go into the account and there's a new product tab, which makes it so much easier. Now, caveat here is that the product tab does not include sponsored brand spend. So that's going to kind of create issues for you. But depending on the amount of spend you have on your sponsored brand ads, sometimes the number is pretty much negligible. So you're probably fine without it. So you're going to download this report for all of your products. And this is going to give you all of your ad statistics on a individual child ASIN level. Now, if you have products with a ton of different variations, what you're going to want to do is you need to sort of create a pivot on a parent ASIN level, or essentially you want to look at each listing because each listing is going to have its own source flows of traffic. And if you have very large variation accounts, looking at each individual child ASIN is not going to give you very actionable information. So what you want to do is you're going to combine these two reports by connecting the child ASIN information. So you have the business reports is already broken up by child ASIN. This download from the ad console is already broken up by child ASIN. So you're going to connect these two data points. You want to look at your sales. So add sales, um, add spend. You want to look at clicks and orders is the things you're going to carry over. And then what you can do with that information is you can then create, if you're aware of pivot tables, this is going to be the easiest thing to do. So as you combine these two reports, you can then create a pivot table showing all of this data. So this is going to be your total sales as well as your ad data on a per listing level. And then my favorite thing to do with this information is look at two things. So this is going to be your um, the percentage of total for your total sales. So it's essentially saying what percentage is this product of my total sales? So Sales for this product divided by sum total of all sales for all products in the account. Same thing for ad spend. And this is where I had the, oh my gosh, this is amazing moment, right? Uh, you would take the ad spend, again, on a per listing level, you're going to divide it by the sum total of all of the spend for your entire account. And then you're going to look at these two numbers. And you're going to see that sometimes the top product is doing, say, 20% of the total sales for that account, what percentage of total spend are you doing this on? And this is going to show you where you might be over um, investing in certain products and where you might be under investing in certain products. And then what you can do is you can then say, okay, where do I have over? So for instance, if I have a product that has 5% of my total sales volume, but I'm spending 25% of my total ad spend on here, does this make sense, right? And then what you can do is you can look at the ad efficiency. So by ad efficiencies, I mean a cost, total a cost, and what we call ad sale percentage, which is essentially the ratio of your total sales that are coming from ads. So it's simply ad 
sales divided by total sales. So like what percentage? And if I have a product where I'm under investing in ads and I have really good ad efficiencies, meaning my total A cost is under my targets, my A cost is under my targets. And wow, I don't have a huge percentage of this product coming from ads. There's a product where I can invest and grow the sales on. Or what if I'm over-investing on a product and then I'm seeing, wow, a huge percentage of my total sales are coming from ads, which means I'm like super over-invested. I'm not efficient, meaning my total A cost is super high. So this product is not super profitable. I probably should pull back on ads because I'm super over-investing. So that gives you the where. And then of course it's connecting that into the ad console and like, okay, so where am I advertising this product? How can I become efficient on this product? But that this report sort of allows you to see very clearly, okay, where do I need to take the actions? And then you can go into the ad console and then begin to make those adjustments. I love it. Well, guys, everything you just heard, you have to scroll back 30 minutes and yeah, you have to take the notes again all over and then try to implement it and if you cannot do it by yourself how are you willing to ask people to answer people's questions and if yes how they can find yeah no absolutely i'm totally willing so for anyone interested uh feel free to reach out i definitely need to make some sort of resource or tool training around this it's on the to-do list (laughs) um and then this is actually a fraction of what we do in our ad audits. So if you have a brand that, you know, you're maybe the upper six figures or maybe lower seven figures, and you're like, I have really aggressive growth goals and I want someone to take a look at my account, but I'm banging my head against the wall because it feels like this isn't a complex beast I can't make sense of. Um, That's precisely what our ad audit does. So we don't just take a look at the ads. We also take a look at the account as a sum total. Like I said, each individual product has a contribution to your total sales volume. So you should kind of know the contributions and where you should be investing. Um, So if you're interested in that, that's also something we offer completely free as well. Amazing. So people love free offers and uh, free offers are leading to the pretty high success for everybody usually. Guys, it's been uh, Isabella Reeds with Amazon Made Simple Podcast and Elizabeth Green from Jungles. (laughs) <laughs> this is how I'm going to call you, jungler.com. This is her website and her agency. They are doing absolutely amazing nerdy stuff, which I personally don't like to do. So I like to delegate it. So if you are on the same page with me, uh, Elizabeth might be your right person. And we're done for today and see you at the next session. Thank, Thank you, you Elizabeth. Yep. Thank you.